Yes, people, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Above the Knee. As always, I'm Liam Loftus and we are joined with by J Extended. How are you, bro? I'm happy, man. Looking forward to this. Another good one. Buzzing? Buzzing. We've been uh, we've been waiting for this one for a little while. We've been looking mm. forward to it. We've been chasing you. <laughs> Amy Cripps, how are you? I'm good. Don't say that. That sounds really bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, not so. We're just we're just excited for this excited for this episode. Um, we're we're a fan, big fan of your work, so we're we're looking forward to sitting down with you. Thank you. I'm really. I feel really privileged to kind of like be invited and to be on board. I'm really. I'm a fan of your work too. Just like profiling some epic women who are doing what they do, just to kind of make football even more brilliant. Awesome. So. It was- to start, I want to start from like from your beginning. Like I when I, I first came across you on Twitter, and it was like, and you'd like um, former history teacher, and now you're the women's football editor at Versus. How how did that journey? How's that journey happened? Oh God, uh, it's like a mad origin story. Um, Love it. I'm so here yes, for it. So... You live for it. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so like I grew up in a single parent household in Tower Hamlets and my mum worked super, super hard, but obviously with a lot of single parent households, it's quite difficult. So she was at work quite a lot and my grandparents had like a massive role in helping to bring me up. Um, and my granddad is 100% the reason why I love football. And he was also the reason why I had to do really well at the school. So school was like a sort of safe place for me. And I think that when you come from like a predominantly working class background, it's really difficult to kind of see beyond like your immediate family and your immediate bubble. So I love school. I knew that school was a really good thing. So growing up, I thought I'll be a teacher. Like that seems really sensible. Like that seems like a really secure job. Like everybody will be really proud of me. Like nobody's done that in my family side of thing. So then I went through secondary school, sixth form, university where I studied history, came out and was like, right, okay, like I've got my history degree. Let's let's be a teacher. Like at that point, the aim had never changed. Um, I still love football at this point, by the way. I've not like dropped off a cliff and fallen out of love with the game. Like that's never gonna happen. And so then after uni, I worked with children who have special educational needs. And I did that in a school in North London in Ali Pale. And then I went back to uni and did my teacher training and ended up teaching in Newham for about three and a half years. So I worked in education for about five years and loved it. I've always loved working with young people. I think there's something quite special about getting young people to connect with the past as well. Um, so that was great. And then... I sort of fell out of love with teaching because I was being pushed down a sort of senior leadership route and I never saw myself as a head teacher or a deputy head or anything like that and at the time I was like 26 and sort of questioning people's decisions to put a 26 year old like in charge of how a school should be run um so I left teaching and I didn't have a job lined up and I thought right I had this one goal in mind for like I don't know 18 years or whatever of my life and I've achieved it I've done it but what the fuck am I going to do now type thing and so I was like right you're great with young people signed up working in like the third sector the charity sector and I did that for a bit and it was while I was doing that that I saw a Nike journalism course um shout out to this fangirl because if they didn't 
share social assets or publicize that I would never have applied and I probably wouldn't be where I am now so then I went on this journalism course it was like three months long it was in association with PA Media and NCTJ and it came about as a result of the Women's World Cup and there being like a massive push to get more women into sports journalism specifically football and that opportunity was fantastic. I got to speak to like Nike affiliated athletes. I got to go to games, learn how to cover matches and match reports. Ended up freelancing for PA Media. And at the time they were offering internships. And I thought, you know what, I'm 28. I'm too old for an internship. Like, I need to earn money. Like an internship is not going to pay my bills. It's not going to kind of, I'm not going to eat on an internship basically. And so I just carried on working and I got in touch with Corey Pellet, who's the editor in chief at Versus, who was offering one of these internships. And I said, look, I can't do that, but I can write. And this is what I've been doing at the weekends. And I think that your platform is definitely one that should be shouting from the rooftops about women's football. And he completely agreed. And he said, we'd always wanted to provide coverage for the women's game but we want to do it in like a really authentic manner and we just don't have the knowledge or the skill set or the resources to do that justice so we're not going to kind of like drop bits in and out because we Mm. don't want people to have a certain perception of us that's just not who we are as a publication as a publisher and that's not who we are as people um and so then I started writing a few bits like player profile pieces a few kind of like topical bits here and there um, and then I left my job just before COVID and again was like, what the fuck am I going to do now? Uh, but while I was teaching, I became aware of a nonprofit called Goals for Girls and they essentially work with 11 to 16 year old girls in areas of high deprivation and help them change their lives through football, basically. So I started doing a lot of comms for them. And then around June last year, Corey said to me, look, we are just completely inundated Like we just can't get through the day like we need someone else on board the euros was happening at the time he said could you give us like any time so I started working two days a week for verses and three days a week for goals for girls and then September came around last year and he said look we would like you to be our women's football editor like how how would you feel about that and I think (laughs) I think it was not pushed into making that decision but someone else had offered me a job for the same role. So like a competitor had offered me a job and I told him about it. And I said, look, they've offered me this. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not convinced basically. And then within three days, he had written up a contract for me and given me an offer. But I think that sort of like made the decision for him. And so since then, so the end of September until now, I've been working for Versus full time. And so, yeah, so like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a crazy one, but it does prove that regardless of your background, if you are really passionate about something and you really, really, really want to give it a go, you can. It might take a little bit longer than what you initially thought. And there will definitely be times where you think, like I've said numerous times, what the fuck am I doing or what the fuck am I going to do? But I think that sort of love for something can really pull you through and sometimes it can pull you through some really kind of deep moments um yeah at points I absolutely I wasn't enjoying any of my jobs and writing was like a massive outlet for me and just like knowing that I could write about football that got me through my nine to five quite a lot actually 
I find um well I felt a bit similar to you like when you said like, oh like it was your dream to be a teacher and then once you do it and it's like you get it at quite a young age and you're like oh I've done this for a bit and you're like what now I don't know if that's just our generation that like can't sit still sort of thing but yeah that's a it's a really really weird sensation and I don't know if you felt it but like I felt ridiculous like talking to my friends or my parents like something that I've wanted to do like literally since I was a kid like I always was like oh I want to be a footballer I was never good enough to be a footballer I was like okay I want to work at Man City I want to move to Manchester and my mum was always like why like why do you want to do that and I was like I don't know just always want to do it and I did it and then after a while I was like what now like and yeah I felt so ridiculous like Com- not complaining but being like oh I don't really, don't really like my job I think I'm gonna look elsewhere and people are like why like isn't this your dream job and I'm like yeah it, it is my dream job they're like why, why do you want to leave then and I found it so hard to articulate that I I thought this was going to take me my whole life to achieve I thought I was going to be and it wasn't like it was easy because there was no way that it was easy but it was just like I guess when you're a kid time frames are mental like you only have the people immediately in front of your tv it's like when you're a kid you think okay I'm probably gonna be married at 22 have kids have a house and be down 30 and that's the rest of my life picket fence sort of thing and when you like once I got to university and then after that I was like oh like within 18 months I was like oh my life's sort of in order here now um and then yeah you just sort of get on with it and I did um but just thinking like for you to make a complete change like I can't even begin to think how brave that is like yeah at the time you don't really think of it as brave like I definitely thought it was stupid um Mm. and I don't know I think like maybe to answer your question about like is it something that this generation does I think like when we were in school we were never really taught about employment or industries or how to get a job or and also I I never knew that I could work in football in this capacity I just always assumed that you were a player you were a physio you were a nutritionist like I never thought that I could use a skill set that I have writing communicating in football um and that is partly because of representation you know growing up didn't really see many women working in the industry um watched a hell of a lot of men's football watched every form of sport possible with my granddad like absolutely love curling would watch snooker like would watch darts anything and everything like obsessed with the olympics like i'm so gassed that the winter olympics is on um but again like never never really saw women's football unless it was like a, a massive game and then it was mostly fa cup like a random euro game or uh, but i do remember being 12 so I, was, I must have been in like year eight or whatever and faye white came to our school and it was like a I remember seeing her and was like who is this woman and then she told she was like oh like I'm captain for Arsenal like I'm captain for England I was like wait what like that's mad like what like what are you doing in our school like what what are you doing in Tower Hamlets like bruv it's not set like go away take FA Cup medals and leave but like that seeing her like it's obviously stuck in my head so there like there were definitely moments where maybe if I lingered a little bit longer or if I asked more questions or just if I'd seen something I might have come to this realization or this point sooner but then 
as you get older, you realise, and I hate saying it because I think it's really corny, but things do happen for a reason. Um, and I think the things that I learn in my jobs have really helped with what I do now. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a mad journey. I don't think I regret it, but there were some definite like scary moments at points, yeah. I was getting asked, like, I, mine wasn't as, I don't want to say as, as drastic, because like my, I left, like when I first moved out to Manchester, I was working like nights as the, to like pay for stuff whilst I was trying to be a presenter. And in my head, I was like, right, if I can earn this amount of money from presenting in a space of like four or five months, I was like, I'll, I'll quit and I'll just, I'll do this full time. And I was like, right, don't spend any presenting money. And it like, got it, got it, got it. And I got up to my number. And this is going to sound terrible. And I just didn't go in again. I just I just never went back to Asda. Like, I didn't even quit or anything. I just didn't go in. You just didn't tell them nothing. Oh <laughs> well, I told them like, where's Liam at? <laughs> I, just, I just stopped. And it was so like, and I remember like my mental health was in like absolute tatters because like, I used yeah. to spend, like just from the music I like, and like late at night, I was listening to like a lot of spoken word and stuff. And it was, it was honestly, it was driving me, it was driving me insane. Like it was so like real and constantly I was listening to the same album over and over again. And I was like, my mental state is in like the worst position ever. And it was like in nighttime, it was like, I didn't really sleep. I was getting like four or five hours. So all through the night I was listening to like, like downbeat music and it was like tattering my mental health, like so bad. And then, Come seven o'clock, I was getting on the tram, having not slept, having not spoken to anyone for 10 hours. And I was presenting and I was like a completely different person. And the weight off my shoulders when I left was like, I can't believe, I can't believe I've been doing that. And like still to this day, like I don't think I'll ever be able to replicate the feeling of like, seeing that invoice like the final invoice that needed to hit my number go into my account and like, I was like I, can't, I was like I don't have to go back and like my parents would just help me move into my like my house now my mum was like you're gonna go to work and I was like no I was like I'm not going and she's like oh he's gonna take it off I was like no nah, I'm never going back and honestly like it, it, it like it's still now like gives me goosebumps but like, it was so overwhelming um, but to get to my point, like, what what would be your advice? Because that was a long-winded thing. But to get them, um, what would be your like advice for someone who's like thinking about it? Oh God, it's so like, like I, I come from a certain position of privilege. Um, I, my partner and I, we still live with her parents because we've been saving up for a mortgage. So I was never in a position where I knew that I had massive overheads. Um, so I always knew that I had a roof over my head. I always knew that, you know, there'd be food in the house and that kind of stuff. And thank God my partner was working throughout the whole of, well, she was working throughout the whole of the first time I gave my job up after teaching. And then the second time uh, during COVID, she was actually made redundant. And again, like, thank God we were living at home because I just... I don't like to think about what could happen. So I would say to people, everybody's circumstance is completely different. Um, make sure you have some form of support network. And I understand that some people's are a lot bigger than others. And some people have resources that you might not have access to. But just make sure, and you alluded to it slightly as well, that 
your the current situation that you're in if your mental health or your physical health is damaged as a result of that something does need to change but you need to make sure that you have mechanisms in place to make sure that you will be okay ultimately um so that would be the first thing like make sure that you've got someone to fall back on just in case something goes goes wrong or and also be prepared to know that these things don't happen immediately like you need to just tell that you were working for x amount of time and you knew that you had to save x amount of money and like you were proper grinding like the grind is real like there's no it might seem glamorous and we might get to do like ridiculous things like I got flown out to Valencia to cover the Red Bull Women's Street style um, world championships like that's mad like, I never in my life mm. would I think that I would do that but that was probably like three years worth of work to that point like it's not something that you will just get handed on a plate so just make sure that you're patient and really understand what that means and don't give up just because you miss out on one opportunity or someone tells you no once it doesn't necessarily mean that the next person will and I think from a writing standpoint if you if you're brave enough to pitch an idea and you send the pitch in for a piece and the publisher says no it doesn't mean that the pitch is rubbish, send it to somebody else. So make sure that you're aware of other avenues that you can access. Um, I guess all of that is like preparation. Just like, what is it? Like fail to prepare, wait, prepare to, what is it? Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. That's it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it, yeah. Like that is very much, man, I'm so old. Like saying stuff like that, it makes me sound so old. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, when you get the opportunity to say something really cliche, I'm like, yes, let me yes. let me go. Yeah, and then you say it wrong like that. But yeah, like I think also you you are on your journey the whole time. Like people come and go, so you have to 100% back yourself and believe that you can do something and that you are good at it. And if you're not, what can you do in order to make sure that you will not only be good at it, but you'll be the best person in the room? Um, yeah, so backing yourself and having that self-confidence and self-belief is just really important. And again, that comes with time. Um, yeah. God, I'd sound like a teacher again. <laughs> no, you don't. Trust me. You said um, you um, was teaching in Newham. Which part of Newham? Uh, so I taught in two, two schools. So I taught in Brampton Manor Academy. I went to Brampton Manor. Uh, did you? Yeah, I went to France Manor. <laughs> and I taught at Royal Docks. Oh, okay. I wanted to ask, um, how do you feel women's football has changed since you've got into the industry compared to before? Oh my god, uh, it's so much more saturated. Like there's which is a good thing. Like I don't say that in a bad way at all. Like yeah. there's a lot more people and not just women covering women's football um so it, like it feels busier it feels like there's a bit of a buzz um and it's nice to feel that not just after a major tournament or like just before a major tournament like it's fairly consistent um which means that the demand is there which is great which is fantastic I think that what else do I think has changed one of the things that I've always loved about women's football is the accessibility of players and how regardless like I've interviewed World Cup winners like seven time Champions League winners like Ballon d'Or nominees and every single one of them has been so gracious and so 
happy to speak to you like there's no arrogance there's not any kind of oh why am I doing this like I can't be asked to do this like this is just another media day type thing but I have noticed that that level of accessibility is becoming maybe a little bit more inaccessible in a way Mm. which again is good because it means those players are at a certain level they've got a certain profile they're you know speaking to BBC Sky Sports versus I don't know Eurosport like all of these different broadcasters publishers like they've got deals with Nike they've got deals with Swarovski that is what you get in the men's game and that's what we've wanted in the women's game for such a long time um but as someone that's like followed it for a while and has been in it for a few years I don't want to lose that kind of closeness that you can have with players. Mm. And I think a lot of players would say that as well. Just the fact that they can sign autographs immediately after a game, like they can Mm. take pictures and players that I've spoken to since COVID, when I asked them like, what are you looking forward to? Or like, what have you missed? It's like fans. Like I've missed the fans. Like I've really missed them. I've missed talking to them. I've missed taking pictures with them, that kind of thing. Um, yeah so I'd say those like accessibility and maybe like profile has changed massively oh my that's I think that's what like got like his claws into me in terms of the women's game um, like having worked in the men's game like great really loved it still love it now but like interviewing my heroes and it being like the biggest thing in the world to me and then yeah they're like, oh, do I have to? And yeah. I'm stood right there and I'm like, bro, like, I've literally been looking forward to this for months. And you're like, do it quick. And I've prepared loads of stuff. And I'm, and it's like early on, I'm like nervous now because I'm, I'm trying to be quick. And it's, yeah, whereas with, with women's football, I've always found like, okay, we're going to do an interview, but I might speak to you 15 minutes before just about your day. And you'd be happy to give up that time. And it's just it just feels very normal and they treat you like a human. And it's, it's this is like, it's so mental because it's like, oh, men's football has degraded me so bad. I just appreciate being treated like a human. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mad, isn't it? Do you know what it is? I think it's because for such a, like for such a long time, they've just had like had to graph and get no recognition for it. And so they appreciate every single piece of coverage, like anyone and everyone who's interested in it. Like there's such a level of, authenticity and like sincerity involved in women's football and I don't know about you but when I speak to female players and like I've spoken to Premier League players before as well and if you speak to players in the Prem or players of that standard they are so PR trained Mm. and so the conversation that you have with them is so superficial and your questions are analysed like 48 hours before you submit 10, you can ask seven, and the three that you can't are the ones that you really want answers to. And in the women's game, yeah, of course, there are like procedures and protocols, like your questions get vetted, but more often than not, it's an actual conversation, it's a dialogue, it's a back and forth. And I think that as well is something that I do really love about the women's game, um, just having those conversations that can leave lasting impressions and like really impact people who listen to them or read them. Do you think that can change as the women's game gets bigger? Do you think they might want to kind of modulate after the men's game and kind of get that kind of seriousness into it, should I say? 
Yeah, I don't think they, I mean, it's like, I don't think they would model it on the men's game because it's existed the way that it has for such a long time. Um, so I don't think that they would kind of like rebrand it or repackage it in that manner just because it wouldn't work. Um, and yeah, I do, I do think that the more money we have, the more coverage we have, like the more these players like distance themselves from fans, maybe not through their own choice, yeah, because they will be PR trained up to their eyeballs and there will be things that they can and can't talk about. Um, but I do genuinely think like those that have been in it for a while, and I'm not talking about like the Ellen Whites or the Jill Scotts, like I'm talking about like Leah Williamson, like she's been in it for a long time, but she's still what, only 24? Yeah. Um, she has been PR trained, but because she's seen the game at so many different levels, she's so willing to give like an honest open opinion whereas I don't know the Jess Parks of the world like those who are coming through at this point where there's so much investment so much interest we might see a difference in how she presents herself or how she shares her opinions um and I think that's great because people are different and if anything it does show growth in the game but the Jess Parks of football can still play football at the moment with the Leah Williamsons and the Ellen White. So you have this like intergenerational um, world. And I think that's really, I think that's really cool. Um, I spoke to Beth Mead and Leah Williamson just before Christmas. And it's the first time that I did a joint interview. Oh my God, it's the best interview I've ever done. Like just the way that they vibed off one another. And there's only two years between them, but Beth's journey was so different to Leah's and just the answers that they gave because of that. And just, they were interacting with one another. Oh, like I never knew about that. Like, and oh, like Beth, I know that like, you're really close to your family. You might not want to answer this question. And that's Leah saying that, that's not me. Like I, mm. I, at one point I just sort of like, maybe I'll just leave my phone here like on record and I'll just leave and they can just like <laughs> conduct the interview themselves. You know what I mean? But I think the stories in women's football are still so appealing um and they're just and I think it's because they are seen to be people whereas mm, mm. in the men's game like you say Liam like they're your idols they're your heroes when you get to meet them you've got like two and a half minutes and they're no like they don't really see you as a person and in that instance you don't see them as a person like it's just they've been shaped into like a brand really um, which isn't why we fall in love with football. Like we fall in love with football because of the passion, because of the people, because of the stories, um, because of the emotions that it makes us feel. And there's nothing emotional about speaking to a robot. I found that like um, just talking about like different footballing journeys. More so now, you're starting to see more like linear academy first, like like from being whatever under sevens to the all the way up to the academy and I feel like we see it more now but I remember when I first like when I first moved to City and it was like Demi I remember looking at like Demi Stokes's like Wikipedia and she'd played like in Canada and stuff and I was like yeah and I was like she's not that much older than me I'm like how has she done mm. how's she done this much and she's like my age and I just found it like mental. And then like, when we was on tour, I was speaking to Claire Emsley and we was in Miami. She was like, oh, I went, I went to university here. And I was like, what? Like, what, what do you mean? Like, you're a professional footballer. Like, me being naive and like being very early in, in, into the sport sort of thing, 
I was like, you're a professional footballer in my head. Like, surely you just went to an academy. And then mm. when you got to wherever that was, then City came in for you. And she was like, no, she was like, I was over here for three years. And I just find, I used to find that so interesting. And it's just like, when they're brought up around all these different people thrown into like different mixes, like you were saying, it's like intergenerational, if I don't know if you said that. Um, like, I feel like that opens you up so much more and there's so much more trust. Um, whereas in, and even like going back to being a kid reading newspapers, like men's teams, like in scandals, like front front page of newspapers. And it's almost like once someone's been burned, like everyone's now wary. And I feel like that trust in the women's game is still there because nothing like that's happened. And it's like, it's it's been a slow burner. But when, like now, it's like you're saying, it's starting to get more saturated. But everyone, I feel like everyone in the women's game like really cares. Like you're not half, you're not just dipping your toe in to like being involved it's like okay if because so many people started this journey a while ago and it's like okay I was doing this when like I wasn't right I wasn't anything like I was just doing this for passion and like the passion's still so big amongst media and I just think it shows so much in terms of trust with the players like the content we produce the stories we get and I just think that it's, it's honestly amazing yeah I mean James, you came to the Emirates, didn't you, at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season yeah. with Arsenal, Chelsea, and um, versus hosted that match. And we did like a whole campaign called New Beginnings and spoke to several players. And part of that campaign was that we would have like a panel discussion. And someone that was on that panel was Tim Stillman, who writes for the Arth blog, just anything and everything that you need to know about Arsenal, like Tim is your man. He has been reporting and writing about women's football for over 20 years, like before it was on TV, before Mm. it was in pages, like before there were multi-million broadcasting deals. Mm. And I think people like Tim have helped so much to make women's football what it is. And without the Tims of the world, we certainly wouldn't be here talking about women's football. And you're right, like it is that love, it is that passion. And just that authenticity that shines through with the women's game. Um, And again, I hope we're never at risk of losing that because money talks and all that. But right now, I've just got Dizzy Rascal, like 30 cash in my head. That's all I've got right now. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, I agree with you. Like the, the stories in the women's game are still relatively uncovered, like unturned, those stones. And their journeys are so different because development pathways are so few and far between. Um, And so a lot of them do go to the States or did go to the States just because collegiate level football is insane. Like the way that they do things out there is just absolute madness. Um, But yeah, the stories are something else. Massively, right. um... We always, we always talk about it because it's just like honest. I'm, spe- I'm speaking about it at work today, and I feel like we ask all of our guests. We've got we've got to talk Euros. We've got to talk women's Euros. Um, we'll start. We'll, we'll split it into two parts. How, how are you feeling? How how do you feel about it being a home Euros? First of all, how, how are you feeling about it? 
Uh, I think like from like a work standpoint it makes my life a lot easier I'm not gonna lie (laughs) 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 and at the moment when I think of Euros I just think about how crazy busy we're gonna be um and sometimes I think first and foremost I have to remember that I'm a fan and I can't let that stuff kind of like blur my vision when it comes to the women's game so I think I'm really excited about the fact that I can go to as many games as I possibly can do just because they are in England um for the women's world cup my partner and I drove from Croydon to Nice like in one day to watch England and then we drove from Nice to Bordeaux and then from Bordeaux to La Havre to watch another game and then a month later I got the train from King's Cross to Lyon like that that was a stint. I don't think I've recovered from that. And I was like <laughs> three years ago. So like, there'll be like me driving from like here to Sunderland is nothing like compared to that. Mm. So like, Nice is amazing I mean, though, isn't it? it? It is. Yeah. When we went, when we went, I'm not going to lie. It was so grey and so cloudy. Oh, no way. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it was awful. And you know, sometimes you go somewhere and you're so gassed for it because people are like, oh, it's really nice. Like the weather's great. Blah, blah, blah. And you go and it's just like, absolutely raining buckets you know oh great (laughs) yeah but the the food the food was good like the food was really really good um yeah so like it would like I don't regret it like it was a good experience um I do regret putting the mileage on the car because it like massively like devalued it but (laughs) but, yeah no (laughs) it's an experience can't put put mileage on memories yeah yeah that's it that's it but no, I'm excited that I can watch a lot more games. And I think that home competitions always like there's a benefit to the home nation. So and I will take all the all the extra bits, like all the extra give that we can have um, in, in the chance of getting some silverware. So, yeah, like I'm excited. Like I'm excited. What about you two? Are you excited for it? It's gonna be mad. It's gonna be mad. You know, what? before I was being, I was being shy about it. But like, the more I see like WSL games and stuff, like I do think we'll win the Euros. Like, oh my god, I understand. I was waiting I for understand. one of you to say it. I, oh my god, I tried. No, I said it in the beginning. Then, then Liam kind of said, "Are you sure?" And then I was like, mm, I was kind of silent about it for a few weeks. But like, at the end of the day, I'm seeing Frank Kirby doing madness. I'm seeing Lauren Hemp doing mm. madness. I can't, I can't help but not think at home, Wembley. I do think it's coming home. But I don't want to say it's coming home because that's always the jinx. So England will win it. But like, I think it's just going to be amazing to see so many different teams. I think, especially Norway, I want everyone to look out for Norway yes. because you don't really hear people talk about Norway. You hear Spain, you hear Germany. Obviously, they, they, they mash work. But Norway, those are like my sleeper favourites. Like if England somehow don't win it, I think Norway will do a madness. Which is mad because like Norwegian football in particular, like women's football, like dominated mm. the European stage for like yep. years and years. Mm. But yeah, like their team right now is stacked. Like it's yep. so good. Like I thought it was good during the World Cup and they've had mm. a few years to like develop those players. Um, so yeah, like I am really looking forward to that. I don't think anyone should underestimate them at all. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Barcelona, I mean, sorry, Spain uh play um yeah (laughs) um yeah like just like just because like the Mm. the the roster is just unbelievable and like tiki taka football like who Mm. everyone loves it like to watch that like it's so it's unbelievable like it's just it's beautiful to watch like poetry emotion and to have like alexia pateas like in 
in England mm. uh, like she's every every year like we have like our personal and organizational aims and that my personal and actually an organizational one because we think it will really put us on the map is to like produce content with Alexia Puteas like mm. that is like mm. my personal north star and that is in terms of women's football like if we were to speak to someone that you know we would be really really privileged to speak to it would be her um someone else as well like we just think it's completely like verses if I can say that like Shanice van der Sanden just cold cold absolute absolute legend in every Mm. like every way possible and I feel like she's gone under the radar a bit like in the last couple of years and Mm. I think that's just dumb like people are doing that like you need to wake up like just shake (laughs) them um and I think it's mad like she's played for Liverpool like that's people didn't appreciate that at the time yeah um but yeah no I'm again on that note like I'm excited I'm always excited to watch the Netherlands always excited to watch them Mm. Um, I'm not sure we're gonna win though having like having all these like teams and players so accessible like I'll be honest I'm a I'm a lazy fan like if I can't find it if I can't type into Google or watch on TV like that I'm like the trademark social media user journey person. If you take me out of app or if I've got to do too much stuff, I can't do it. Like it's having the attention span. You're not clicking the link. Honestly, like <laughs> it's so bad. Having worked in social media as well, I'm like, oh, you should do it this way. And then I'm yeah. like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it that way. It's like really, I just find it so backwards, but that's just how I am. So being able to literally just w- whack it on TV, maybe have to press a red button or go to another channel, I like. For me personally, I can't wait to do that. And then from like a work standpoint, I'm a bit like you, like having everyone here is going to be like probably quite overwhelming, but just the thought of the opportunity is like, I don't know when I'll get this again. It's it's players in their prime as well. Mm -hmm. Like to speak with players who are at the pinnacle of their game, like just... I, I can't describe to people like to sit in a room with someone who is just phenomenal, like at what they do, like it's indescribable in a way. Mm. Um, yeah, it's mad, and it will like it will be completely overwhelming. We're going to be shattered by the end of like July, but it'll, I, it will be it'll be worth it. Like the mm. and in terms of like coverage, I think it will. There's in terms of women's football, there are so many kind of like local grassroots platforms influencers individuals that do so much to promote the women's game like this is like a golden opportunity like if there's anyone out there that's dabbled in it and like they're a really strong writer they don't have the time or like they really want to kind of like go and capture footage like they want to leverage tiktok or whatever it is that they want to do like get out there and do it like there's going to be so many opportunities for you to kind of really hone your craft and put your face and your name out there um, which is exciting as well, like to see the kind of up and coming journalists or influencers or videographers that are going to come out of this. That'll be really cool. Just like even more like the new generation of fans. Like yeah. I think mm. going forward, like legacy fans from this will be amazing. For me, like going to the World Cup to watch the Lionesses, I'd never been to an England game before. I just had such a negative experience growing up with the England team and I just had no interest whatsoever in the men's team. I was like, I don't really 
don't really care for it. Like, okay, it's on. I'll watch the World Cup because it's the World Cup. I'll watch the Euros because it's the Euros. And it's like, my, like it's off ta- on tangent again. But like my favourite Euros growing up was the one England went in. I remember, I remember watching my dad. <laughs> Fair and being enough, like, this, yeah. is, like, this is amazing. Like, this is like the best thing. Like I watch all the games and not have my dad get frustrated at the commentary or my dad get frustrated at the, the actual the result of the game. Mm. And like, I remember it was like, um, Russia did really well and Holland did really well. And it was like Arshav and Schneider, Van der Waal. The 2008 one. Yeah, the 2008 yeah, one. Yeah, and I was, like, this, I was like, this is amazing. And then, like, and then after that, it was like, my head was like a scouting machine. I just wanted to know all the players all the time, like who's coming up next. And I think so many people are going to have the opportunity to watch it and they're in their back garden, essentially. And just like fall in love with the Lioness team. Like not even going as far as saying like, oh, being able to find, oh, I really like the Holland team. I really like the Spain team. Like just mm. to fall in love with the Lionesses. And then they're all in the WSL. So many of them in the WSL and you can go watch them. Like, and they're not mm. far away. And it's, yeah. well, we were saying these superstar footballers, when we meet them and it's nothing, it's so, such a letdown and it's so never meet your idols sort of thing. But in the women's game, I, it's not. Like, mm. it's, you come away feeling like, oh my God, like, Steph Horton was everything that I thought she was going to be. And it's like, oh, and little things, it's like, okay, I introduced myself at the beginning. And they say, okay, I'll see you later, Liam. And you're like, oh my God, they remember my name. Yeah. And it's for little kids to be able to, yeah. for little kids to be able to do that after the game, after watching your favourite player score a goal and then you go speak to them after the game, like, it's it's mind blowing, like, and it's yeah. it's so exciting. I mean, that, like, that is what inspirational is, isn't it? Like mm. having that level of relatability, and again, like linking back to accessibility, like to to see someone who is just as great off the pitch as they are on it. Why would you not be inspired by that? Like, why mm. would a five year old, fifteen year old, a forty five year old not think, oh my god, like they are an incredible person. Like they're not just an athlete. And this is why I find it really difficult in certain circumstances and in certain contexts to separate the person from the player or to separate the artist from the art um, because they're intrinsically linked. They're one person. Mm, mm. Um, and I think that in women's football, female football players, athletes, they are genuinely great people. All of the ones that I've spoken to anyway, like I'm sure there are some duds out there, don't get me wrong, like they are people at the end of the day. But yeah, and I guess like, on the flip side of that, like we saw last summer, like we had some really atrocious scenes happen for the men's Euros. Yeah. I will put my hand on my heart and say, that's not going to happen in the women's Euros. Like that passion is not going to boil over into complete and utter anarchy um and but on top of that the love that people had for the England team last year might fuel a new love for the Lionesses mm. so similarly in the way that you say that you enjoyed watching OA because they weren't in it because you didn't have that distraction of like oh my god we're going to lose oh my god I'm going to get frustrated oh my god my dad's going to throw the TV out the window like people did fall in love with England again and I think that those people might think, oh, like, I actually had a really good time at the Euros last year. Like, this is actually bringing up nostalgia for me. Like, I might actually tune in and watch that. Or I might go and take my mate or whoever to go and watch a game. Um, because tickets are still available. Like, you can buy tickets. Just kind of plug that out there. Um, but, yeah, no, it is really exciting. I'm really looking forward to it. You, you just mentioned it briefly then, like, how they're 
like the player and the person intrinsically linked. Like me, me and Jay have conversations like quite regularly about um, like, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out how to word it. And this is literally what we talk about, like how to word it. Like someone performs badly and you want to say like, oh, they've not played well, mm, mm. but you also like, you really admire this person and you don't want to, you can't, uh, I see I'm struggling to speak now, but yeah. like the language. You don't, you don't want to offend, like you don't, because they are people yeah. and they do read what people write and they do listen to commentary. Um, I think if you are objectified, like objectively, not objectifying, that's a complete wrong word, don't do that to anyone. If you are objectively critiquing someone's performance and at their core, their sole purpose is to be the best that they possibly can be, they will take that on board. You, it becomes quite dangerous when you inflate people's egos for the sake of it. Mm. And we've seen that this week, how damaging it can be to mm. put people on a pedestal pedestal, and just completely remove them from reality because they then think that they're invincible and they're untouchable. Um, so, yeah, like nobody ever want to hurt anyone's feelings. And if you do, like, check yourself, man. Like, don't be doing that. So from like a journalism standpoint, like never be afraid to critique so long as you're doing it for the right reasons like mm. don't throw shade on anyone just because you feel like it nice that was that i mean you've answered my question spot on it's <laughs> that is something like when we speak about it and i'm like and joe will say something he's like oh i feel i don't want to put this out and i'm like it's true what you've mm. not it's scary if like oh they've had yeah. someone so it's had a really bad shooting night and you like, yeah. feel like that's a bit undeserved and you're like okay but let's look at the stats they've had eight shots one on target you haven't told a lie and then like yeah i just wanted to hear it from like a journalistic point of view like i'm in no way shape or form a, a journalist like no i, I can't I literally neither am i mate don't worry <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I was, I was just really interested in on your take of things but yeah i mean i guess, not, I, guess not... I felt the same but you just articulated it much better yeah no um no, I, like nine times out of ten, they're gonna know that they've had a shit performance as well. Mm. Like you know, you you know when you've not done a good job, or you know mm. when you've not met your certain your own levels of expectation. Um, but yeah, ultimately they just want to be the best at what they do and get better, and just continuing to strive for perfection. And you know, it's part and parcel of the job, isn't it? Like something that we talk about is that as the women's game elevates and more people can see it, more people can access it, it's going to be open to critique. And if you speak to players, they're well aware of that. Like they welcome it. Like, they want people to analyze them, their games. They want people to critique them. They don't want like criticism of who they are as people because like yeah. that doesn't come that doesn't come into play on the pitch, off mm. the pitch, one hundred percent. Like um, you're moving mad. Like people need to tell you so. Uh, but yeah, no. Just if you feel that you you're within your reasons to cr- critique someone for their performance, then go for it. Also, Jay, I'm sure like. I'm such a fan of what you do. I'm yeah. sure whatever you want to put out there, it will be the right, the right thing. So don't yeah. like. No, don't I just think that. it's it's one of those things. I think sometimes, as passion gets involved, sometimes like especially during oh, yeah, a really heated. tense game, like that's the thing. I've developed the drafts technique. Put something in the drafts <laughs> after the game. You have to let it, you have to think like, was that decent? If it's not decent, then it won't come out there. But I think I feel sometimes with the women's game 
a lot of people idolize the players to the point where it's not about the football Blinded, yeah. yeah, and then you don't want to hurt no one's feelings. What, like, what was it? I can't remember the game. I can't remember the game. I think it was Steph Holton took a free kick and she scored it. And then Ian Wright was like, yeah, but the wall didn't jump. Yeah, yeah. Everton, beginning like of the season. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair criticism. Yeah. The wall did not jump. Like, the purpose of the wall is to prevent the ball from going yeah. in the net. Yeah. The neck? God, yeah, the net. Don't shoot, shoot balls at people's necks. Um... <laughs> Yeah, like that's that's a fair point, and he got flamed for it. Yeah. But there was nothing wrong with what he said. Mm, like, yeah, and and it, but it's because in women's football they've had to protect it for such a long time. Yeah, because women are constantly, you know, degraded. Like women have to work twice as hard in order to get a half the amount of praise. Um, so people, yeah, people can be precious and they can be protective of it because they've had they've had to be for such a long time. And often female footballers are criticised for things that aren't performance-related. Mm-hmm. Like a couple of weeks ago, we had the whole harder Cuthbert situation where a certain yep. tabloid, you know, like there's never any reason for you to sexualise a player. Like, why not talk about the performance? Like, mm-hmm. Why not talk about the mm-hmm. goals that were scored? Like, Why not talk about the link-up play? Like, these are two of the world's best attacking players and, like, you're reducing them to noises people make in a bedroom like uh, and that's where you can get pissed off and that's Mm. where things can get heated because that type of commentary is something that female footballers and people working in women's football have had to deal with for a long time Mm. which is why they're also quick to protect and also Mm. quick to stand up for um but yeah i can't believe that ever got printed but passed (sighs) Man, I it goes through so many people to get to print. Like, that's <clears throat> the thing. Like. Yeah. I feel the same when I see some tweets from companies and I'm like, how is it? How are we here? Like, I know there's a process and I know you've gone through a lot of people. And I, I don't know how they've not gone. This is so, this is disgusting. This is, but even on like, the, as a, like, oh, it's just, no, it's my, it's mind blowing. It's, it's inexcusable. It's honestly mind blowing. It's, it's because the people in the room that helped to make those decisions all looked like one another. Yeah. Mm. You know, this is the issue with spaces that aren't diverse. Like people think it's a tick boxing exercise. No, you produce incredible work when you have a diverse workforce because you have different opinions, different lived experiences. Actually, do you think we should say that because X, Y, and Z? Oh, I'm not too sure about that. Oh, no, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought it up, X, Y, and Z. You know, but in that instance, everyone in that room, everyone on that sports desk, I'm going to put it out there and say they were men. Like, yeah, you know, um, yeah, you have an issue when you look around the room and everyone looks like you. Um, more, more of a personal note for you. Um, what's, what's been your favourite piece of content that you've created? Oh my god! I mean, uh, it's a horrible question because the yeah, I thought this might be so a question. <laughs> I know. I said, I said today, I was like, oh, like, are there any questions like you want to ask that I could think about? Is that like, no? It's just going to be a chat, and I was like, oh my god, there's going to be a question about <laughs> like content or whatever. Oh god. Um, oh. Do you know what? Something that I'm really proud of. Uh, and something that I've been able to like translate into the women's game is the social tone that we use at Versus. So something that we're known for are our captions. Mm, mm. Um, so it's like very reactive content, mainly on Instagram. That's where they live. That's where they do best. And 
when I can write a caption that I know will absolutely bang and put that out into the world and it gets the engagement that I want it to get or expect it to get like I'm I'm so happy because that's like our bread and butter mm. and that's something that the that Versus has been known for for a long time and mm. it's something that we were not anxious about we were like is this going to do just as well um and the ones that have gone insane have been the Champions League ones um which is great because we get to talk about European clubs and players that you know a lot of people might not know about mm. um in terms of something that's like maybe a little bit more I'm not going to say substantial because that is substantial for me or like something that's like a little bit more like long, longer form content I am really proud of what I spoke about earlier so our activation of Arsenal at the beginning of the season um that was just it felt really different it felt like we were kind of pioneering match day experiences for fans of women's football um and getting to speak with Vivian Miedemar, Nikita Paris, Lotta Wibamoy, Kim Little, uh Beth Mead, like I spoke to Katie McCabe and those two interviews didn't get published in the end but Katie McCabe is honestly one of the best people that I've ever spoken to um, and it was like a very kind of like last minute well we've got 15 minutes and like you're on Katie's media day timetable do you want to talk to her and I was like oh like, okay like fine um, but again it's because she was just so willing to have a conversation and she's mm. just so down to earth and just loves the game and wants people to love women's football as much as she does. Um, so I'd say like Arsenal New Beginnings, our captions. Um, I did some like quite nice uh, grassroots based work in partnership with Size. That was called Good Game, where we profiled several people that were just like doing bits basically in football. And one of them was our good friend, Nancy Baker. So it was good to kind of profile and elevate people that don't, always get the praise that they deserve mm. um and just doing anything in terms of grassroots football is always like i think there needs to be more of that because that is where the game the game mm. starts from what about you are there any like particular versus pieces of content that like you enjoyed i'm doing you a little bit of in, insight <laughs> research now you, you know what like this is going to sound super like <laughs> i love all of it maybe man. lame or, like <laughs> fanboy but I, I'll be honest, the captions over, like, all over, like, lockdown and stuff proper made me, like, fall in love with the game again. Like, having left City to join the BBC when I did, and then, like, what I thought the job was going to be was sort of taken away due to COVID. I was just like, oh, I have, I just feel like I have no, like, no creativity in me. Like, I was so, like, oh, just, like, let me just go collect my paycheck and go home. Well, I wasn't even leaving home. Like, let me let me go back upstairs. I have to collect my paycheck, sort of thing. <laughs> and then, like, being in a space where you can't meet people all over Zooms, all over emails, and you can't really be yourself. Like I felt. And then I was like, maybe there's no, like, maybe there isn't place for me in this. Like, I was like, maybe Man City was was like the exception of who allowed me to be myself, sort of thing. Because I was the same with captions. Like, I used to love doing captions, and then. So I'd do like random quotes from like Dave Chappelle stand up. Oh, people would be like, oh my God, Dave Chappelle. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, I'm having an inside joke with some random guy from whatever country. And I was like, this is like the most fun I've had in so long. And then going to the BBC, it was so like 
straight shooting and just yeah, this is what we're going to do, and it's going to be okay. We're going to we're going to, cap- we're going to caption this. Liam Lofter swears purple jumper. Same, yeah, brilliant, and it just sort of made me feel like oh, there's not there's not a space for me here, sort of thing. And then like following verses and seeing like their captions, I was like, this is I was like, this is how we speak. Like this is like this is like what we want to see, and like almost seeing how well received it is like definitely gave me back like there there definitely is a place for me in this industry sort of thing I absolutely love that like that's the point of the captions to create a community like sometimes we've got like the maddest cultural references and those are the ones that people will pick out and they will absolutely love and have jokes about and it'll be like I don't know someone from Canada laughing with someone from Scunthorpe like you've just said mm. like, and to create that space where people can come together just to kind of appreciate the game for what it is and just like really in your case like reigniting their passion and love for the game like that's we do pride, like we pride ourselves on that and that is something that will as versus continues to grow and maybe change we will never ever lose that style of writing that content that purpose like that is who we are essentially so it's it like I love that you love them as much as we love writing them because sometimes we crack up like (laughs) just putting them together like people like how do you how do you write them how do you do it honestly like we use slack which is basically like a work whatsapp messaging service Did you? Oh my god, we love it. Maybe you hated it. All them different different channels. I was like, what's going on? No, no. Because like people, so at Versus, there's only seven of us. Mm. And we've Mm. grown. uh, So I joined in September, and then we had someone join Jay, who is the footballist. So he runs the footballist Instagram account. He joined literally like the end of the last month. So in the space of six months, we've added two more people to the roster, but there's still only seven of us. And so we have to be like quite close knit and Slack is where it's at last. Like, Slack is joke, but just the retail, we've been staying for a while now, you know, you can get like those wheels, like like a fortune, like wheels mm. or whatever, like wheel of fortune. So I'm going to put like random things on it and spin it. And then that's what you have to write in a cap. Like you just have to try and put that into a caption. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely, absolutely love, absolutely love that you love them. That's I so think sick. my favorite verse is, I think the best thing about versus, especially in terms of the women's game, I think versus make women's football cool. And for someone like me, I'm a 23-year-old black man, like women's football can sometimes feel like it's more centered towards the kids. Whereas I feel versus brings it together. And it's like, I could send that to my friends and say, look what's in that caption. Like, this is why you're missing out on women's football and stuff like that. And I think it really bridges the gap because sometimes you want women's football to feel kind of, you want it to be grown up as well that you can share with your friends and stuff like that. And obviously that Arsenal New Beginners thing was incredible. And just having so many people that cared about women's football and cared about Arsenal and Chelsea, like just in one room and that kind of vibe and everything about it, it just kind of showed you that versus care about women's football as well as men's football. And I think actions speak louder than words. So if you can go out there and execute and show like, this is what women's football means to us, like it leaves a lasting image. Yeah, that's what we strive for every day. Like to have hosted in like the diamond lounge which has got like a 20-year waiting list and costs like tens of thousands of pounds mm. a year like it's, <laughs> it's it's a it's a level of access that you know are given to multi-millionaires or like ex-players and we have this for the first wsl game of the season 
like this is completely unheard of like this mm-hmm. level of prestige is something that is so common in the men's game and so we really wanted to apply that to the women's game just to show people that it is on the same level mm-hmm. the quality is the same like and we strive for parity in everything that we do um and yeah just try and as hard as we can to make sure it's a 50 50 split in terms of content um most of the content that we do when we speak with players and those kind of like exclusive interviews that comes out of our pocket we're not like nine times out of ten there's no brand affiliation involved there's no money changing hands and it comes out of our pocket because we know it's important and we know that it will be really well received and it's something that we want to do we're not doing it for the sake of it you know it comes from a place of love and respect like the women's game deserves to have all of these things and if we can really show people who are a lot bigger than us who have a lot more money than us you know have been doing this for a lot longer with you know more than seven people in like a tiny office in Brixton like if we can do this like imagine what you could do to really Mm. change Mm. the game um it begs the question why aren't more people doing it yeah, I think with versus, it's like, it's how I see it. It's like, this is my football. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is how I want to read about football and the, they're the reference I want to see. Like, I don't really want to go on. <clears throat> like, whereas my dad probably read the newspaper and saw the match report in however many words. It's like, now I can just, I'm already on Instagram, so I can just go on Instagram and read the match report in a way that I understand and it's like it's, it is mental because it's like you haven't got to tell me how the goal was scored you can mm. describe it you've not got yeah, to say oh yeah, it was yeah. a free kick that trickled under the wall like I, I know what that looks like but you like you lot describe yeah. games and articulate games in a way that I'm like yeah I know exactly what you mean and it's like I, this is not one of yours but it's like oh it could be I can't even think of the quote but um I'm gonna, gonna ignore that because it's gone. It's completely gone. But you, you know what I mean. Like you, you articulate things in a way that, like, our generation will understand and likes. And for me, that's that's so important. Me too. You're saying all the right stuff. I didn't, <laughs> but like people listening, I didn't pay them to say this. <laughs> like, like, we, we got PayPal. We got PayPal. That is. On a on a very different note, you know, this is a random bit of information. I occasionally do this. Jay Jay's knows about this. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, in America, there's no bank transfers. That's why they have to pay yeah, that and Venmo yeah. oh, and yeah. cash out each other <laughs> because there's no bank transfer. You can't just like hop on your phone and transfer money to someone. That's not, that makes more sense. It's like, <laughs> it does make sense, doesn't it? That does. For time, I didn't know what Venmo was. I was like, what is this? Like, <laughs> what are they doing to one another? Like, what what is happening here? But yeah, no, that does that makes sense. But also, why not? Like, why can't they do bank transfers? I have no idea. Because tune in next week like... when we analyze the American <laughs> economic. <laughs> Imagine, I'm waiting for the article. <laughs> Amy, what what have you got coming up? What's what what have you got coming up? What can we look forward to? Oh, plug yourself. Have... What, let's throw a plug in. Yeah, no, uh, I'm not sure if I can say, but I will say. I just Ooh. won't like name names or name brands or anything like that. Um, and the feature already exists. So we are looking to run a series uh, called What Ballers Wear, specifically looking at female players. So something that we talk about a lot at Versus is convergence culture. 
poster. I can't, you've had me for an hour and now I can't talk. <laughs> Convergence <laughs> culture. So, you know, the intersections of football and music, like football and fashion. Um, when we talk about big societal issues and topics, like we use ve- football as like a vehicle in order to access all of these different things. Um, and we have done what ballers were before. And I talk about it all the time, and so do the boys. Uh, you've got so many kind of like drip videos in the men's game. Like, yeah. if I have to see Benzema stepping out of a fucking Lambo like one and more time, spinning. Like, I don't want to keep the spin. Yeah. <laughs> he is the king, like, though. <laughs> he is. I'm not. Yes, yes. I'll give you that. Like, I'll give you that. Um, Sane man, like his his outfits are crazy. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna put him in the mix there as well. Anyway, well, I've got a mental story. I'll tell you about Sane. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. Nothing bad. Um, He's just a hilarious guy. So, so like we we want to do that for the women's game. Like we want to really elevate fashion in women's football, um, in particular like streetwear. Just the stuff that we wear, the stuff that we love, the stuff that Jay you said it before like makes football cool. Mm. Um, and there are mm. so many ballers in the women's game that just have an unbelievable dress sense. Like, Kenza Dali, Kenza Dali. Oh my god, mad! Oof. Like her prep collection is crazy. Like absolutely insane. <laughs> like so, yeah. So we've wanted to do this for a while, um, and so we will be doing that with four players, and that will be coming out before the Euros. So like that's content that will exist regardless of the Euros happening this summer. We've got some big things on the horizon for the Euros that. I can't talk about, um, but I think they will be game changing um, and it will be like a really cool thing to be a part of because I think it will really kind of turn things up in terms of mm. how people cover the women's game and what, mm. what they provide for the women's game and all that kind of stuff. So what ball is where I'm really looking forward to that, looking forward to putting that together. I think the visuals for that are going to be sick as well. Um, what else have we got? I mean, February's going to be a mad month for international football. Like, my fingers are going to be bleeding from the captions that I have to write. Like, um, so I'm, like I'm, I'm looking forward to the Arnold Clark Cup. That should be interesting. Like, a yep. new one. Um, obviously going to tune into the She Believes as well, just because, you know. Although, no Rapino, no press. Did you see that? Yeah, recently? all the seniors are gone. All the seniors are gone. Oh, the, the comments as well. <laughs> just, like, said with such... Fire. like yeah. well is we a ham still playing football <laughs> but like don't don't keep it like don't take it to another level like of course players have to show their worth but yeah. so yeah so lots of football coming up for me to cover in the short term what ball is where and then some more crazy activations ahead of the euros which i'm sure you'll both be invited to amy honestly i i can't i can't thank you enough for today i've Love the conversation. It was serious. It was a serious um, conversation. Really yeah, I, I honest, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I really, I really do appreciate you coming on. No, um, thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. We were in New York. This is going to sound so flexy, but I was on tour. With, <laughs> I was on tour with City, and we was in New York, and we'd just been to the NBA store. Uh, he did like an activation with D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. And we were driving home, and he's like, he was oh, talking about we're talking about like LA. He's like, have you been to LA? No, 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 but whatever. And he was wearing like. During like an off-white night that like first came out, mm. and he was wearing like a pair. The one of, them. of twelve. The top like, ten. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And he yeah, was wearing a pair. Of, he was wearing a pair of them, and I was like, "They're so sick." And he's like, <laughs> and he's like, "Have you not got any?" And I was like, "No, like they sold out so fast." And it was like the, the same with most shoes. Like at retail, you can. You, there might be a push, but you can probably afford them. Mm. Like, yeah. 
and we were talking about it and I was like, oh, like, it's so sick. And he's like, don't you have a pair? And I was like, no. And he was like, oh, he was like, just ring Nike. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I went, what? And he went, just ring Nike and ask for a pair. And I was like, Lira, I don't, I don't <laughs> have <laughs> Nike's number. <laughs> and he was like, what? And I was like, if I ring Nike, I'm ringing customer services. <laughs> <laughs> and he like, couldn't get his head around that. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was like a language part language barrier or just couldn't get his head around it. He thought it was mental that I can't just ring Nike and be like, oh, I really like these trainers. And obviously this was at the time when City was sponsored by Nike as well. So that was even, he was like, but you, he was like, you work here and you, you're on camera. And I was like, I know. He was like, he's like, he's like, trust me. He's like, bro, just ring Nike. And that was like, <laughs> and that was like his whole heart advice, like, not taking a mick or anything. He was like, he's like, bro, ring that. When we got out, we were whatever, carried on the car journey. And then we get in the lift to go back. And like, we're in the lift and not, not really talking, like we're on our phones. And then uh, my, my floor, uh, floor three or whatever. And he's like, don't forget, don't forget. He's like, make sure, make sure you ring that. <laughs> and I'm just like, who, who, what, what does he think? Like, I can't just do, like, You're going to ring like, like the Oxford Street flag store. <laughs> like... I was like, oh, you're right. Um, yeah, Liam Loftus from Man City. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't send me some off whites, like, could you? Like, I'll pay for them, but I just, I just need them. <laughs> it was so, it was so funny. And it, I was just like, and he just couldn't, like, looking at me like I was absolutely mental. Like, he was like, well, have you not tried ringing them? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> but in, to be fair, think about it now, in his defense, I, I don't know anyone that's tried that. Yeah. Maybe True. that would work. Because it's almost one of the things that's so ridiculous. Mm. You just yeah. think, I'm not going to try that. But anyone who's looking for a pair of sold out night just, trainers. Just call Nike. Yeah, Liam's got the number. Yeah. <laughs> just call Nike. On the website, help. <laughs> I think the number's there. Maybe chat to a virtual bot. We'll sort you out. Virtual. It'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> just tell them Leroy sent you. It'll be fine. God. Right, I'll do that again. But yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for watching. <laughs> Amy, appreciate you so much. Jay, as always, big thank you to you, bro. And we'll see you all next time. Peace.